Welcome to Life Point Plus, a program dealing with marriages and family. We are so glad you're listening. Here's your host, pastor and teacher, Gary Moore. Welcome to Life Point Plus. I'm your host, Gary Moore. You know, the late American journalist Catherine Ann Porter made the following statement Love must be learned and learned again and again. There is no end to it. When asked what makes a good marriage, the answer given by nearly 90% of the population is being in love. In one study, over a thousand college students were asked to list the essential ingredients of love as a basis for marriage. No single item was mentioned by at least one half of those responding. That seems to say, you know, we can't agree on what love is, or perhaps more accurately, we don't know what love is. 500 plus years ago, Chaucer said, love is blind. Maybe he was right. But for the next few broadcasts, I want us to look at three critical questions. What is love? How does one give and receive love? And how can you make love last a lifetime? We'll answer these questions by exploring the anatomy of love, its parts and pieces. Next, we'll look at the unique styles of love that each person brings to a marriage. We will then explore the passages through which every couple must maneuver if they are to keep their love alive. And finally, we'll conclude with a point-by-point plan for making love last a lifetime. So you're going to want to stay with us. And our guides on this tour will be Drs. Luss and Leslie Parrott. In Twelfth Night, William Shakespeare asked, What is love? That question has been asked for centuries, and there still does not seem to be any definitive answer. Is love the self-seeking desire described by William Blake's poem, Love Seeketh Only Self to Please? Or is love the self-sacrificial stance described by the Apostle Paul? Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love seems like a strange mixture of opposites, and maybe that's why it isn't easy to pin down. According to the parrots, love includes affection and anger, excitement and boredom, stability and change, restriction and freedom. Love's ultimate paradox is two beings becoming one, yet remaining two. Love's paradoxical quality makes some couples question whether they are really in love. Robert Sternberg, a Yale University psychologist, has pioneered much of the recent research into love. He developed the triangle model of love, which many believe is one of the most encompassing view of love to date. In his model, love, like a triangle, has three sides, passion, intimacy, and commitment. The biological side of the triangle is passion, the spine-tingling sensation that moves us toward romance. It starts out with our hormones. I call this the hormone happiness phase. Passion is sensual and sexual, characterized by physiological arousal and an intense desire for physical affection. Song of Songs, for example, celebrates the physical love between a man and a woman in passion-filled poetry. In chapter 1, verse 2, it reads, Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for your love is more delightful than wine. But passion can also be possessive, fostering a fascination that borders on obsession. It drives couples to an extreme level of preoccupation with one another, to the point where they can't bear to tear themselves apart. At this stage, other relationships aren't even considered. 
Sternberg explains that at first, couples experience a rapidly growing physical attraction, but after a while, they incorporate the ecstasy of passion into the fuller picture of love. Pure passion is self-seeking until it is linked with intimacy. The emotional side of love's triangle is intimacy. Love without intimacy is only a hormonal illusion. The parrots say that one cannot desire another person over the long haul without really knowing that person. Intimacy has a best friend or soulmate quality about it. We all want someone who knows us better than anyone else and still accepts us. And we want someone who holds nothing back from us, someone who trusts us with personal secrets. Intimacy fills our heart's deepest longings for closeness and acceptance. People who have successfully built an intimate relationship know its power and comfort, but they also know that taking the emotional risks that allow intimacy to happen isn't easy. Without careful nurturing, intimacy withers. In the book Finding the Love of Your Life, author Neil Clark Warren identifies a lack of intimacy as the number one enemy of marriage. He goes on to say that if two people do not know each other deeply, they can never merge or bond, becoming what the Bible calls one flesh. Without intimacy, he says, they will be isolated and alone, even while living under the same roof. The fulfillment of love hinges on closeness, sharing, communication, honesty, and support. But all of these hinge on mutual understanding. Marriage provides the deepest and most radical expression of intimacy. The cognitive and willful side of the love triangle is commitment. Commitment looks toward a future that cannot be seen and promises to be there until death. Philosopher Hannon Arndt writes, Without being bound to the fulfillment of our promises, we would be condemned to wander helplessly in the darkness of each person's lonely heart. Commitment creates a small island of certainty in the swirling waters of uncertainty. As the mooring of marriage, commitment secures love for our partner when passion burns low and when turbulent times come and fierce impulses overtake us. Commitment says, I love you because you are you not because of what you do or how I feel. The Swiss counselor Paul Tournier describes the marriage vow as a gift, total, definite, unreserved, a personal and unchangeable commitment. The longevity of love and the health of a marriage depend mightily on the strength of commitment. Passion, intimacy, and commitment are the hot, warm, and cold ingredients in love's recipe. And these ingredients vary because the levels of intimacy, passion, and commitment change from time to time and from person to person. As we change and grow personally, and as the relationship changes and grows, these levels change. You can visualize the fluidity of love by considering how the love triangle changes in size and shape as the three components of love increase and decrease. The triangle's area represents the amount of love. Large amounts of intimacy, passion, and commitment yield a large triangle. The larger the triangle, the more the love. Well, how is love given and received? To answer this, we'll look at the parrot's definition of love styles. You know, we often assume that love means the same thing to our partners as it does to us. But the truth is, two people rarely mean the same thing when they say, I love you. 
In working with couples, it's not unusual to hear, I just don't love her anymore, or I love him, but I'm not in love with him. What this usually means is that a particular quality a person wants in love is missing or has changed. The parrots give us the following true life example from some of their counseling sessions. John and Monica's first counseling session brimmed with tension. They complained of falling out of love with each other. You hardly ever tell me that you love me, said Monica. She was fighting back tears as she looked at her husband. Of course I love you, John replied, but I shouldn't have to tell you I love you. I do loving things for you. My actions speak louder than my words ever could. Were John and Monica out of love? No. Their love styles were merely out of sync and causing insufferable tension. The parents say it's not uncommon for one partner, like John, to feel loving toward his spouse while the spouse feels unloved. But their love has not withered. It has simply taken on a style that is not meeting the other partner's needs. Further discussion showed that the loving things John was doing for Monica included bringing home a paycheck, fixing broken appliances, and avoiding arguments. These are things any good husband would do routinely, said Monica. They have nothing to do with what I call love. Monica defined love in terms of endearment, gifts, touching, tenderness, all of which made John uncomfortable because they didn't fit into his idea of true love. According to John, what Monica wanted was the mere fluffy stuff of love. Both Monica and John were assuming that how they loved was how their partner wanted to be loved, and both were feeling unloved because of it. Neither was fully aware of, let alone adapting to, the other's differing love style. When Elizabeth Barrett Browning asked, How do I love thee? in one of her most famous sonnets, she probably never imagined that the answer would one day be studied with scientific precision. But that is exactly what researchers like Robert Sternberg have attempted to do. His triangular model not only identifies love's parts and pieces, it explains how partners like John and Monica give and receive love differently. Sternberg's triangle, that we talked about earlier, can change shape depending on the varying degrees of passion, intimacy, and commitment in the relationship. A triangle with three equal sides represents what Sternberg calls a consummate love, in which all three components are equally matched. But when one leg of the triangle becomes longer than the others, a new kind of unbalanced love style emerges, either romantic, foolish, or companionable. Romantic love, which relies on a combination of intimacy and passion, is physical attraction mixed with a deep sense of caring. But commitment takes a back seat in romantic love. Foolish love results from a combination of passion and commitment. But this time, intimacy is mostly absent. It is foolish in the sense that a commitment is made on the basis of passion without the stabilizing element of intimate knowledge. Companionable love evolves from a combination of intimacy and commitment with passion fading to the background. It is essentially a long-term, committed friendship. This occurs in marriage when physical attraction becomes less important than the security of knowing and being known by your partner. Sometimes ill-fated marriages are built exclusively on either romantic love, foolish love, or companionable love. But successful marriages demand more, even when a romantic, foolish, 
or companionable love style becomes momentarily predominant. Consummate love results from the full combination of love's three components, passion, intimacy, and commitment. Consummate love is the goal toward which every marriage strives, and most marriages achieve it at least for a time. Maintaining consummate love, however, is where many marriages falter. Well, our time has run out for today, and this is our last uh, broadcast for this year. I'll see you next year, and we'll begin here next week. Have a great time. Have a great weekend. God bless you. Thank you for listening today. This program is brought to you by Cloverdale Church of God. If you would like to reach Pastor Gary, please email him at pastorgary at cloverdalechurch.org. To know more about the church, go to our website at www.cloverdalechurch.org. Thanks for listening, and be blessed.